Fellow knowledge seekers, I hope you've had a chance to listen to the Waterline podcast on iTunes or in your Android podcast app. People ask me all the time, Shane, what's the future look like? Are we going to flourish? Are we are, are we going to drive ourselves to extinction? Are we going to destroy everything? Are we going to create heaven on earth? A big part of that incredibly complicated question is water. Water is absolutely fundamental to life. And knowing what is going on with water, the various technologies, the economics, political, social, behavioral, technological, and environmental aspects of water around the globe is really fundamental to understanding questions like that. And if you guys are into science and learning about things that affect our lives and the world, which I know you are, I believe the Waterline podcast is for for you. I just finished a episode called Water for All Regulation all about comparing the different regulations in different areas like the Israeli water law passed in 1959 and comparing how their system of of regulating water compares to California's model of regulating and how We might work together to figure out the best pros and the cons of different systems all around the world. Very, very important stuff. Please check out the Waterline podcast on your Android app and at the iTunes store. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the third episode of the Here We Are podcast. This is an exciting one. Earlier this year, I got my brain scanned as I tried to think of jokes. And so we're going to be talking a bunch about that today with Ori Amir, who is uh, currently going for his PhD in neuroscience at USC, working under Professor Irving Bitterman. He's also a comedian and improviser himself and uh, so we talk about comedy we talk about um, the brain and we talk about the results of the tests that he ran on my dumb brain so this is uh this is really exciting i i hope you guys have been enjoying the podcast so far this was the second one that i recorded the third episode being released so this one was i feel like it took me about four or five episodes where I, I was really comfortable as a host, and I'm still getting better and better now that I've done 20 or so. Um, but uh, yeah, so this one, I, I, was, I was still a bit nervous, but it, um, it still went uh, really well. Um, I, I've gotten a little feedback from the first couple episodes. Um, one bit of feedback that I got from a good friend of mine who's a really smart guy said the first episode, there was a lot of things that went over his head um, which, uh, if there's anything like that, please let me know anything that you'd like to know more about or wish I would have gone in depth. And, um, like I said, it, w- when I introduced the first episode, I think I was just a little nervous. We, uh, we ended up, um, kind of breezing over some very big ideas that uh, we'll definitely be exploring more in the future. But, um, but yeah, so that definitely wasn't you. That was a failure of communication on my part. And I will um, work harder to make sure that um, we're, when we're talking about new ideas and some things like that, like evolutionary psychology that I kind of uh, know a lot about now and kind of take a little bit for granted, 
uh, I'm probably going to breeze by um, a few too many things. And that's merely just out of nervousness in me trying to prove to a professor that I'm uh, smart. And that's my own insecurities that I'm, I've been getting over. Um, but I really value your feedback and for listening and sharing and all the response that I've gotten so far. Please go to the herewearepodcast.com and check out more. Thank you guys for listening. Are we? Yes. Where are we? Here. Why are we here? Not entirely clear. We are misfits thrust into existence by random chance with no hints at all as to how we're supposed to make sense of it all. It's immensely bizarre. Here we are. Um, hello, everybody. Welcome to uh, Here We Are. I'm and I'm here with my friend Ori Amir. Hello, Ori. How are you? Hello, hello. Uh, this is the second episode, and I I did my first episode. I was um I was a little I was a little nervous because it was my first one, and this is um kind of a big undertaking for me. I was a I was a little bit um. I didn't know if this was a stupid thing for me to be doing because I was like, I just want to travel around um, the country interviewing scientists about life and about what makes us who we are. And then I was like, wait a second, I don't know anything. <laughs> I don't know if I can do that. And so I was, um, I was a little nervous. I didn't really get to fully explain why I'm doing this in the first place to the listeners. I, I, explained that I got into science and met some scientists and all that a few years back and became friends with some cool people and um, and had a lot of fun along the way. And I, I've tried like working on some possible TV pitches and other projects like that, and I, um, I just eventually I asked myself what if I could just do anything I wanted without getting notes from a manager and agent without having to worry about because I'm trying to work science into my stand-up act and then I have to worry about doing a 45-second long setup or as a neuroscientist who also um, dabbles in a bit of stand-up as uh-huh. well, correct? And, and so, um, you know, I had, I had lunch with some interesting people over the years and, and stuff like that and uh, drinks with some cool folks and, and it was just like... I. I wish I would have recorded that because what an mm. interesting, fantastic conversation. And so that's why I'm like, that's what I should be doing. That's what I'm interested in. I should just record these um, like lunch conversations that I'm having. And so the idea was to have a casual conversation. Then I went out and, and bought a bunch of fancy equipment. So now there's like a studio feel <laughs> to, just to make people nervous and <laughs> like, Yes, <laughs> and, and, and not as comfortable, so um, so things don't always go as planned. Um, but um, but let's so let's get to uh, guest number two. So how I met Ori was he um, he is uh, well, I think I faced I Facebook too. Uh, yeah, I, I think you came to a show. Yeah, that I was on. Um, my my friend Peter McGraw, who will be on in a few episodes from at some point. I'm going through um, Denver very soon, and interviewing him. He wrote a book called The Humor Code, and um, the the psychology of of what makes um, things funny and and um, and I hosted a live show that he put on with him and his co-author and some other comics and you came to that show and then you Facebooked me 
Or right. I, I think maybe we met at the time. I have a terrible yeah, I, memory. I said hi, but... Uh, yeah, I don't ever... Uh, uh, come I, I don't, and say I don't, hi to me after a show. I'll <laughs> talk with you. But yeah. I, I have the worst memory in the entire world. It's incredibly embarrassing for me in my life. Um, but, but you Facebooked me, and you explained that... Um, so t- tell me a, a little bit about... Because I want to know how you got into science, and I want to know how you got into comedy and how these things merged. Because for our listeners, this is, this is very exciting. Um, Ori, uh, basically, uh, summary of what you're going to hear. Uh, he scanned my brain while I tried to think of jokes and, um, and watched what that gerbil spinning around in my head uh, was up to when I was writing jokes. And so um, we're going to be talking a little bit about that today and, uh, and a bit about the brain and probably a bit about comedy as well, which this will be different. I, I got this, I m- made this podcast because I was like, every podcast that a comic has is all about comedy. Yeah. And so... Um, I mean, there's probably science. Matt Kirshen does the... Yeah, yeah. Matt Kirshen has a great one. Um, probably, probably science. And then there's... Um, oh, David Huntsberger has an awesome one. Um, and I'll put that in. Uh, I have to say, first of all, that you are very brave to bring someone with a thick accent to talk about neuroscience in your podcast. I, uh, I, I like your <laughs> thick accent. You're from Israel, correct? Yeah. Because yeah. um, to me, I'm so bad with accents that I... To me, you just sound like a Russian villain, which is incorrect. You're not a Russian it's, villain. It's my personality, but it's not <laughs> my origin, yeah. Okay. Um, and when did you move here? Um, six years ago to do a PhD at USC. Oh, okay. So, so talk about, um, just I guess talk about how you got here in, in the first how you got started in science. And did you start comedy over there? Uh, no, I actually started it uh, just four years ago here. I just met, uh, came across a couple of people who, who did that, and uh, I was tempted to try, and I just got hooked. It's, <laughs> uh-huh. I, I wasn't even studying comedy at the time. I, I incorporated it into my research later. Uh, I did like research on uh, how vision works in the brain, like uh, how the brain accomplish, does object recognition, basically. Ah, I see. I, I, here's my fun um, vision fact that I learned recently. Oh, what, what is the guy's name? Um, a, a guy, it was like Frederico Duke of Manila or someplace that no longer exists in, um, in like the 1700s. He was a, he was a uh, sword fighter. Oliver Sacks was talking about him in a book, okay. um, The Mind's Eye. Um, and he was... He was a sword fighter, and um, and he uh, was very good. I guess that's how he got to be Duke. That's a, that's how you came into power back then. And one day in a sword fight, he lost an eye. And when you lose an eye, you lose like forty percent of your field of of vision. You you can't see past if you just listeners close your eyes. If you're not driving right now, close one eye. And then try to look over into that side, and your field of vision is cut off by your nose. If you're driving, close both both eyes. Uh, yeah, exactly. Thanks, scientists, for <laughs> the safety advice. Um, and uh, you don't want to be distracted by traffic. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, 
he still wanted to keep sword fighting, even though this took an eye from him. And um, and so, and, but this loss of field of vision was obviously hampering his success. And so, what he decided to do was to have a um, surgeon cut off um, a good chunk of his nose, so he could see further and increase oh. his field of, of vision. Interesting. I- yeah. Yeah. Um, I could, I could probably pull up a picture for you, but so how did you, um, oh shoot. I hope my phone isn't interfering with the frequency here. Um, maybe hopefully my computer does not. I just heard a little something. Um, yeah, it sounds like it is. Um, I'll, I'll just imagine it for the time. Yeah, I'll post it. I'll post it for people, but it's, uh, it's like the bridge of his nose is, is just missing. Um, so, so you were studying vision. So what's the, pre- cause I didn't go to college. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't, um, I just wanted to be a comedian. And when I was young, I was like, well, what's school have to do? Why would I want to learn anything ever? I'm just going to make people laugh. Um, and so I didn't actually. Probably see- a wiser choice. <laughs> well, a wiser okay. choice. Yeah. I don't know. To me, it seems crazy talking to you. Um, they, like, given the amount of, like most people who go to college these days, you know, pay, uh, enormous amount of money for you know for something they can probably learn themselves so unless you want yeah, to become you need a, that degree you need unless that you want resume. to become a scientist I, you know maybe you wouldn't need it that much in the future i don't know i mean well there's a lot of online um st- i mean i take a lot of what i think are fantastic online courses um and i from from people that are like some of the top people in the field is like, well, this is this has to be better than the class that they're getting at whatever tech right, school. Right. I mean, university. I think these days it might. I mean, I don't want to say it because that's probably what what funds our uh, research. Drop and, out uh, of school <laughs> and drive with both of your eyes closed. Is is the message? Or <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's that's. Uh, um, well, continue the wisdom I, I bring to Americans. Um, so um, you're going to oh, say these days with education, I would. Yeah. Okay. So, but 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 for me, for me, it, it made sense because I'm, you know, I, I want I become I enjoy, I like being a scientist, and that's you know that's the route. You know, you have to uh, you know have a bachelor degree first, and so on. To uh, and so what I, was your bachelor's in? Uh, it wasn't psychology. Uh, I took um, I took it in Israel. I initially wanted to become a clinical psychologist. Oh, okay. But then I realized that I don't care that much about people. <laughs> Me either. <laughs> and, and that that you know I rather not surround myself with neurotic people. But I was I was hooked by by like the the science aspects of it. And uh, was there any anything in particular? Because I I was talking to Marty on the first episode about like anything that kind of grabbed you that uh, like something that you think about once in a while. Like um, in uh, the example that I used was just a quote that um, I think about a lot when I'm observing life of just. The chicken is the egg's way of making another egg. Like I read that, I'm like, whoa! <laughs> I want to learn more about that. And uh, was there was there what about it exactly? Not, I mean, because it's hard yeah. to just say. So science intrigued me. Science, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah. No, so uh, well, neural networks was the thing. So so basically, you have a lump. Like your brain is just a huge lump of interconnected neurons, and somehow that 
gives rise to thought. That's lump, not lamp. Okay. Right, right. a big lump. lump. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm just deciphering your... My lump is, is a little off today. Yeah. Um, yeah, so... And somehow this, this gives rise to thinking, and I wanted to figure out the connection, you know, the connection between just a bunch of neurons talking to each other and you coming up with a joke or, you know... Um, yeah, well, I, I ask because... So I also, I mean, I was first, as I've talked to you before about this, I was first into kind of evolutionary psychology and biology stuff is kind of what hooked me. And then, but I've tried to expand my knowledge into other things. And um, uh, it was like, you know, behavioral economics was kind of along the same lines these days. And there's a lot of stuff that meshes together. And, and I would hear like kind of fun facts about neuroscience stuff and or read like um, How the Mind Works by Steven Pinker or something like that. And I was like, oh, yeah. well, I, I should learn more about neuroscience. And then I took some, I tried to take some classes online and I was like, this is very, very difficult. Um, I, I, think it's a, I think it's very hard uh, to, this is, what, this is an idea that fascinates me and maybe you can help me understand this. Learning about the brain, like focusing on learning about the brain and like axon terminals and dendrites and and uh, neurotransmitters and it, uh, and like kind of memorizing these things is, at least for me, exceptionally difficult to pay attention to. Sometimes I know some of our listeners. I said neurons, and their neurons just shut right off. <laughs> and what's interesting to me about that and this is more from an evolutionary psychology point of view, I guess, is that why isn't our brain more interested in learning about our brain? You would think it would be in our brain's best interest to learn about our brain. Well, so, so, so the thing is, it's like, it's like learning a language. Uh, like you want to use the language to, to, to communicate and stuff, and that's the fun part, but then there's a lot of sort of memorization of that of the vocabulary and, you know, the way it works and stuff before you can actually get to the point where you, you can uh, use it uh, or, or in the case of the brain, where you can, we can all this, all this memorization, all of those facts start to, to kind of, uh, um, create a story. Yeah. It can, kind of go together in a way that makes sense and you can start understanding the mechanism of it all. Um, I, I guess I asked because uh, you know you you studied vision at first, and if you were to there's, just, al there's also lots of useless stuff you you, you can memorize as well. Right, yeah. right, yeah. of course. So so you studied vision of, uh, at first, but so right now someone's driving with um, hopefully they just opened their eyes back up, and <laughs> the amount of information that their eyeballs are taking in right now and processing that are it's just under the conscious level, just effortlessly. They're not even thinking about all of the work that their brain is doing. Oh, yeah. And like, 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 like walk me through what's happening. Like, like you're driving down, or right now you're sitting here doing a podcast. What is happening in the brain that's like you don't even know? You, you're not even thinking about it. It's just simple to you. 
Yeah, so so the the stuff that that you feel like it's effortful, like effortful thinking, that's like the small part of what your brain is doing, like the effortless thing, uh, just you know recognizing the object in your environment or uh, understanding uh, w- uh, what you're saying. Uh, all of this stuff that is happening automatically, this is the most uh, um, computationally demanding. Or the, the most that's what I'm saying. That's what's so frustrating yeah. because a computer can sit and memorize all of this right. stuff, no problem. But to build a robot that can see what we're seeing and then to make sense of what's going on is like that. W- it would be. I mean, that's like transhumanism stuff. Like we're right. so far off from that. The uh, amount ten of years away or so. But yeah, 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 that's what I'm saying. Ten years. <laughs> I mean, anything could happen yeah. between now and then. But 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 there is yeah. So th- this is why our, uh, it's much easier for computers to do the stuff that we find the most difficult. Uh, you know, like doing math or logic or you know search. Or, uh, but but just just uh, looking at a picture and telling you uh, there is a chair in the picture or or driving a car. Um, it's an in- incredible. Yeah, I mean to look at or, or or just a chair that's sitting here for a computer just to identify a chair and then like. Even if it was good enough to figure out, like, okay, that's a ch- because we can kind of process categories of things, whereas a computer would almost need like, here's every kind of chair that there is, so that when you see a chair, you know it's a chair. Whereas we could see a brand new chair that has never been designed before and be like, that is a chair, and identify it as such. Yeah. It would be very difficult to make a computer that would do that, and the second it would figure it out. If you just change the angle, yeah, exactly of, of the chair, it would have to start all over again, and um, and that uh, that's absolutely amazing to me. Um, just so that's part of what we were trying to do before, you know, trying to figure out how the brain does that and try to so so that you can eventually imitate it in in computer software. So instead of instead of using a dumb you know algorithm that just uses brute force. Give it all the examples of chairs imaginable, and and let let him com- uh, compare those pictures to to new pictures. And oh, that's similar enough. That's a chair. Uh, do more what humans are doing, basically. That's uh, what we were uh, working on before I started studying comedy. Uh, and so, so how long ago was it that? So you moved here six years ago. How long ago did you um, stumble across comedy and get this wild idea? Because first off, I wanted to be a comedian since I was like eight years old, and so I never took um, life seriously at all. And uh, it's paid off enough for me. But that comedy is a crazy, crazy thing to get into. There's no real structure to it. You can't go to school and then get like a degree and then expect that that degree will earn you money. Um, maybe academia can be like that as well. Yeah. But um, but for for you to have a promising future already with like this reliable um, uh, job as a neuroscientist and then to be like, Maybe I want to screw off and dive bars for a living instead. So, so I mean, I want to do both. So I like my current goal is to figure out comedy in a way. So I and I just really enjoy performing it. But also, how many years ago did you start again? Uh, four. Okay. Yeah. Um, but also, 
in, so, so I'm currently doing this study where, where uh, in which Shane uh, partic- participated, where uh, we look at uh, brain activity of comedians as they improvise funny ideas, basically trying to figure out like the neural genesis of a joke. Uh, and um, why? What? Um, what made you think of doing that idea in particular? Uh, first of all, nobody ever done that. So people have looked at what goes on in the brain when you enjoy comedy. Um, I've done a study like this, you know, to compare uh, uh, ha versus aha, you know, like uh, insight versus humor, like what's the differences in brain activity. And what is, what is the difference? So you're talking about the difference between like learning some new fact about um about some duke from the 1700s and you go ah as opposed to me yeah. telling a joke about driving with your eyes closed or you telling that was your joke and i'm stealing your material um <laughs> it's a bad joke anyway so so what, <laughs> what was the difference um so and how did you test it well well we showed the, the are you familiar with brudels they're essentially uh, pictures that don't make much sense until you have a caption that tells you what it is. What are they called? Uh, droodles. Droodles. Um, yeah. So, how do you spell that? Uh, D-R-O-O-L-S, I believe. I think there is an E before the S. Okay. Yeah. And these, these are basically um, line drawings that don't make any sense, and then you can give them a caption that says, oh, it's... Uh, uh, a sheep coming too late to save a witch from drowning, and say, "Oh, okay, that's the 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 triangle is the hat of the witch, and the, the thing on the left is the sheep." And so, I think you maybe sent me a few of these. Maybe um, okay, yeah. go on. Um, so you can have these uh, and and have interpretation that is funny versus have these an interpretation that just tells you what it is, uh, give you an insight as to what it is, but it doesn't. It's not necessarily funny. So you know. You're looking at fluorescent light bulbs. Oh, okay. I guess that you know those rectangles kind of look like fluorescent light bulbs. So you get you get uh, uh, you get to dissociate an experience of insight uh, from an experience of of humor, and you get to see like the difference in brain activation uh, of the two. And what is is there a way to explain the difference without getting too technical? Um, yeah. So besides the the obvious, so there's there's pleasure regions. Obviously, that are activated right. more uh, uh, when you when you uh, enjoy humor. Uh, and in addition, uh, well, so so I think okay. So so uh, humor is general. Uh, humor is a discovery. Like insight is a discovery, right? Uh, there is there is some there is some surprise. Somebody is surprised. It might not be the audience. It could be somebody else, but. Uh, and this surprise is generally positive for the person that is uh, that is laughing. Yeah, I'm. So I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm writing a joke, and I have some setup, and then at the end, the punchline is I take this left turn, and what you what I was leading you to believe was actually a different thing altogether, and right. then people laugh, as opposed but- to. Sometimes I do that joke expecting 
to get a big laugh, and then I'm surprised to find out that it doesn't, and that is not pleasurable <laughs> at all. <laughs> that is also a demonstration that the audience does not have to be the one surprised. So, uh, like, it is funny when you're like being surprised that a joke didn't work, and if if you if you react this way, it's kind of funny to the audience because somebody is surprised. So. Somebody, I think, I think for comedy to occur, like there is the logical mechanism and then there is the emotional mechanism. The logical mechanism, some wrong assumption was made by someone that is discovered, surprisingly. So it could be the, the one telling the joke that is uh, on purpose, like, oh, I thought this, uh, wh- what was your joke? I uh, didn't know uh, uh, you actually had to exercise when you take uh, steroids. Or, yeah. <laughs> right, right. Uh, or, or it could be a left turn that surprised the audience, or it could be somebody else um, is doing something stupid, and you point it out. Oh, they make the wrong assumption. So there is a wrong assumption somewhere. Right, um, right, okay. And um, and and so that work that which had been done, um, you were interested in that, and then that led you into. Um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, well. So, so not, uh, that, that has been done. Uh, experiments were, which look at what goes on in the brain when you enjoy comedy has been do- have been done before, uh, uh, but n- uh, no no experiment has ever looked at what goes on when you uh, actually come up with a joke. It's actually been argued that it is impossible to uh, to do an MRI uh, like in in a, in a book uh, the uh, introduction to uh, the psychology of humor. It says well it, it, because of the spontaneous nature of uh, writing jokes, it would be impossible to uh, um, to do an MRI or you know brain scanning experiment of what goes on in the brain when you come up with something funny. But you got all those improv people in here, and you got uh, a lot of comedians who, are, who can improvise uh, on the spot. You know, funny. Uh, so ideas. you you read a big whole science book about how impossible it was to do something, and then you went, "I think you're wrong." <laughs> well, it was just a line in the book, but yeah, uh, yeah. but yeah. well, hey, that, that was mine. <laughs> but I think I think that disqualifies the whole book. I think that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, and so what was the um, experiment that you came up with and, and what was your thought process in, I, however you want to tell this story, um, that's sure. fine. Um, well, so I thought, you know, what, what can you do? You know, there is the whole uh, improv. Uh, I started by studying improv comedians. So I had a few people from the Groundlings. Have you done improv, by the way? I've done. Uh, I've done the use. I've taken improv you classes. Did a, didn't you do improv this morning before you? Yeah, came here? The, I've done a little improv. What do you like see. more, stand up or improv? Well, I, I like stand up more. I think um, I'm also have much more experiment, experience doing that. I've taken a few classes in, of improv, but I haven't really seriously. I would, I would think with um, with um, having an accent or because um, it's English like your second language. Yeah, yeah. So I would think as English being your second language, that stand up would be so much easier because stand up you plan your jokes ahead of time, and then I mean yeah, I've yeah. done improv before, and improv to for me just the way my brain works is just like impossible i mm. i i was okay at it but actually the first improv class i ever took was just at like this technical college and some lady did it who was just like in some 50 and older improv group and she taught this 
dumb class that was basically just her reading an improv book of improv games and then us doing them together. And on the first day of class, the first game that we did, all it was, was it was like five of us sitting in a circle or standing in a circle. And we like, we'd start, someone would say a word and then the next person to your left would say another word that makes, let's do this improv game just, just to get a demonstration cat. Okay. Yeah, it sounds sounds about right. No, no, I want you to do the improv. Oh, game okay, okay. Dog. Okay. Uh, bone. Feather. Duck. Um, sex. Noise. <laughs> uh, horror. 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 Oh, horror. Um, screams. So this was the improv game. Okay. That, that was it. It was just, it, yeah, there is no wrong answer, yeah. right? We maybe went around twice, not even long, as long as you and I just did it. And the improv teacher got stuck. She couldn't think uh, of just a word to say. Dude, I, 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 was once, I was once in a class where they taught you how to get over stage fright. I think back when I was in Israel for, for speakers, for professors. Uh, uh, I, I never, I never spoke before uh, before a crowd before, but I thought, oh, it might be a good idea to take it. Uh, the teacher, uh, it was only five of us, and the teacher of this how to get over stage fright uh, <laughs> got, yeah, you, you know, it's gonna stage fright. Yeah, during That's while teaching the class, uh, I, I just had, I just had some, I did some shows in my hometown before I, um, but before I left, I was. Um, I don't know when I'm releasing these, so I'm just talking about what happened to me recently, um, uh, which was now months ago by the time you're listening. Anyhow, I had someone come and do a spot on my show who was like some new guy that was just like emailing me a bunch, really wanted a spot. I'm like, okay, man, I know you're not very experienced, but I guess I'll give you five minutes, you know, to be nice. And it's one of the hardest I've ever seen anyone bomb. It was like huh. such a nice audience trying to laugh and be supportive wow. of him, but he just like froze up. And one of his jokes was about stage fright, huh. and he couldn't get out his joke about stage fright oh, because of his stage yeah. fright. Like, oh no. <laughs> um, that's, what, that's what I'm saying. Uh, English is your second language and you're like, I'll do a thing where I have to come up with funny things in the moment in my second language. That's the balls. I mean, it's mostly about responding to things. So, you know, uh, the more, I guess most of my characters are creepy foreigners. Of different nationalities. How do you pull that off? <laughs> I can do. I can do a creepy foreigner at every nationality. But you're <laughs> kidding me. <laughs> Not every nationality. Come on, uh, throw a few out for me. I think the German one. You know, is a. Uh, I, I, so so today today they asked me to, to be I an put expert. You on the spot. An expert on freedom. So I was like, uh, I was a German expert on freedom. It's like, freedom was invented in a lab in, by the Nazis, you know, <laughs> to get the Americans to uh, <laughs> okay. wave more flags and shoot more guns. I don't know. Russian? Uh, so I am uh, 
Happy to be in your podcast. <laughs> that that is that's a delightful thing to say, and still sounded horribly, horribly creepy. Yeah, um, you have to see a creepy, my creepy smile. So, if you look at my face, it makes more sense that I'm creepy. Yeah, no. okay. yeah, yeah. Go and um, you can go to at Ori um, Amir um, O R I A M I R. Correct? Yeah. Um, and on Twitter, and and look at his creepy, creepy face. <laughs> um, so, okay. Um, so, so you were, you were looking at these improv guys being like, look at these guys coming up with stuff in the moment of the, surely you could capture that. Yeah. Because you want to, in, in the MRI, you want to capture an event and, uh, like a brain, a neural event, you know, happen, when it's happening. So in this case, you know, you want to capture the event of them coming up with something funny. Um, and that those people, Oh, do it as a profession, you know. They that they tell them, okay, tell me something funny about this statement. Or do do something funny with that, and they have like uh, ten seconds or so to come up with something, uh, you know, like whose line is it anyway? Uh, right. Uh, yeah. So so um, so basically, this is, I guess, what I went through. Well. Why don't Why don't you explain the test? Okay, so 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 because because we can't have uh, uh, put an improv troupe inside uh, of the MRI machine in the future. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty narrow, and you have to not move and stuff. Um, so so we uh, basically we put one per, one improviser in uh, the MRI. They have to lie there, you know, and not not move, and, and they they can look at the screen. And on the screen, we just display. Uh, a picture of people interacting. So it's kind of like an improv scene and they just have to come up with something funny one of them would say. And you can compare, you know, a different condition you ask them to come with some, come up with something expected, you know, not funny, just mundane. Uh, and you can compare the two conditions and you can also compare the brain activity of when you come up with something funnier versus less funny, uh, so I'm sitting in this MRI machine and I'm instructed. So a word's going to flash on the screen. It says, "What is it? Funny, expected, or nothing?" Yeah. Um, and so, so then I know whether to think of the funny thing, what uh, the expected thing, or the nothing. And then a picture uh, flashes up, and right then and there, I'm meant to. Um, and there was a series of these. So, Sometimes I'd think of something funny, other times I wouldn't. Um, and here's, I wanted to ask you about this because you probably have an interesting a- answer because I had some questions about the methodology involved, um, which, one, it's, th- this is what's um, very interesting about, um, one one of the many things that's very interesting about neuroscience is trying to capture someone's brain in the moment what they're thinking about well they're in this machine <laughs> which is maybe making people claustrophobic and to and to tease apart you know what what's just naturally going through a person's brain just like oh what am i what am i in here for oh uh, um it, this is interesting oh i need to remember wh- which button does what there was a lot of other things going through my right. brain. 
This is, this is why we have uh, two conditions and we can subtract the activity of one condition from the other. And then if there are some constants, you know, for, for example, you're thinking about the response keys or, the, or the in, in, cl- your claustrophobia. Uh, it wasn't my claustrophobia. Yeah, I was I know. thinking of other people's claustrophobia. Yeah, it, it, was, it wasn't claustrophobic at all. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I cried a little bit, okay? But it was, I was thinking of other people. <laughs> Yeah, no, there were a couple of uh, claustrophobic comedians. Uh, you, really? you, you were not one. No, uh, but uh, but yeah. So, so because you subtract the activity of one condition from the other, the the only things you you're getting uh, out of this subtraction is the t- uh, task relevant uh, uh, activation. So the, the because the rest of it would be subtracted out. Right. Okay, that makes sense. Now uh, here's my other. Um and, and I hope I get as um, as good of an answer um, for explaining this because this is something, and I don't mean to be insulting in any way. Here, here's one. How if dare I, you, sir? If I was a, if I was to pick apart um, some of the methodology, it is that the picture itself was just not an inherently funny picture. When I when I asked to do it, I what I was expecting was that it would be like. Um, a caption contest kind of thing where there's a New Yorker with like, here's a, you know, a fat guy with a cat jammed in his ass or something like that. And um, uh, the funny uh, thing I did, I did get those, uh, those cartoons from the New Yorker, but I purposefully removed uh, anything that is funny already because I didn't want to get People responding, people had already done that research, what's happening when you respond to humor. So that's what you were trying to avoid. Yeah, I didn't want your brain to to respond to the humor already. I I wanted all the activity to be uh, the result of trying to come up with something funny. Right. I mean, it's like you almost could have just used any old picture. Like you could have put a picture of like a tree or something like that. It didn't necessarily need to be a, a scene. But it very much was like... Yeah, here's. I mean, you wouldn't even had to have shown a picture. It was basically just a cue that was like, "Hey, be funny." <laughs> okay, are you saying that there wasn't much information in the picture to, right, to use? Right, right. Yeah, and I then guess. it was a lot of like most of them were just like it was basically just a picture of like a cartoon like ish dinner setting. Yeah, and um, so and you then usually was, had people interacting. Like it always had uh, some person in it. Right, uh, like least. someone being interviewed or something like that. Um, and a lot of them were a little redundant too. I was like, did I already see that one? Maybe I already saw that one. Um, but no, you, you answered that to my satisfaction as well. You didn't want someone to, if it would have been inherently funny, then you would be capturing someone's response to yeah. humor rather than the creation of humor. Which is a trade-off because usually you do... You do start from some weird or unusual thing when you come up with something funny, right? right. I re- read an odd fact or yeah. make a bizarre observation in life, or someone throws a soda at me while I'm driving, <laughs> or something like that. And that's what there. There's there's usually or I break both of my feet and oh, then have to write yeah. jokes about that, which is uh, what we talked about on the last episode. Um, oh, yeah. Do you know much about pain? Uh, a little bit. A little bit? Because, and, and maybe I shouldn't get distracted 
maybe we'll maybe we'll save it. Let's finish talking about okay. this, and then maybe we'll talk about pain at the end because um, I would be curious to know. Even yeah, I'm fine with wild speculation. <laughs> I, I don't expect every. I, I know that the, that you're studying a specific thing and and don't necessarily yeah. know other specific things. Um, yeah. So. Um, so what, what, what happened when you looked at my, um, stupid, um, uh, uh, head sack? Your, your, your results were pretty awesome, actually. Um, um, so, um, uh, well, okay. So let, let me ask you one, one thing, uh, yeah. first, uh, do you, uh, find that you are funnier when you're having more fun or not so much? Yeah. I mean, um, you know that's an interesting question, and and um, I've been primed with kind of already having talked to you about this and knowing kind of the results that you already got. And I'm an argumentative person <laughs> by nature, uh-huh. and so I w- I mean I would kind of say both. Definitely, um, just ev- the everyday kind of. Uh, you know, 90% of the day is just kind of boring nothingness that happens, which is like most of our lives. There's just not a whole lot. Yeah. You know, like when you're reading neuroscience, you have to, you're drudging through 90% of stuff to be like, aha, you know? Um, and, and I feel like that's like that with comedy. And I would say that, yeah, a lot of times in like a social situation, I'm out at at um a bar. I'm I'm going to some parties uh, tonight and meeting up with some friends. And I I met up someone for their birthday yesterday. Sat down for dinner and I was just firing. I was on because I was like in a good mood. I kind of took charge of the um, conversation and kind of allowed myself to be like the life of the conversation or, or facilitator. Or whatever. This probably sounds very stupid, but so I would say yes. I was in a very good mood, and I was really firing on all cylinders. Now, however, some of the best stuff that I've ever written—I mean, the stuff that I'll use in my stand-up act—not just being funny in regular everyday conversation—is completely different. A lot of that stuff comes from my absolute, like some of my darkest moments. I. I I wrote a lot of interesting stuff after I broke my feet and um and I remember I don't drink anymore but I used to drink a lot um and which is why I no longer drink that's <laughs> the story usually and I used to black out a lot and once in a, and I rarely got hangovers mostly cuz I was just drunk all the time but sometimes I'd get really bad hangovers or have just like a mild upset stomach and like be in trouble with my girlfriend or something. And I'd be alone by myself feeling rather miserable, sometimes even like suicidal a little bit and writing. And I would come up with some of my very, very, very best um, uh, work huh. when I was feeling absolutely horrific. So yeah. that's, a tough, that's a tough question to answer. Well, you know, so so, so that, that's kind of that's kind of actually um, in line with what I think specifically about you, uh, because um, so, so that that's an advice, an advice uh, you know, comedy coaches or whatever often give, you know, oh, uh, you know, have fun and you will be funnier uh, on stage, and uh, and I do find that 
the pleasure regions uh, are with most of the comedians and even some uh, uh, many of the controls. Uh, the pleasure regions are activated uh, before you uh, more before you come up with something funnier. It doesn't seem to be the case with you. So, <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> so you do so you do sh- show a, a beautiful uh, dose response. So the regions that are activated. Uh, okay. First, can, we better go back. I okay. want to make sure people are clear on what you said about pleasure, because the way you explained it to me before was uh, a little bit more clear. I think so. Okay. What you're saying, and if if you want to just rephrase it. In a different, just to make that a little clearer, because I think it's one of the most interesting things. Sure. What were you seeing? So this was when the outcome was. Oh, by the way, quick, let's talk about how people rated themselves and stuff, because that was all right. So uh, the way the way we um, we judge um, whether. the way we we judge uh, how uh, funny the thing is, so it, so they have a lot of, people people look at a lot of pictures um, uh, through the ex, throughout the experiment and come up with a lot of uh, captions for those pictures and then they rate themselves they they rate how funny what they came up with each time is uh, and uh, or was and then and then uh, you can you can go back and look at the brain activity that happened before they came up with the funnier things. And compare it to the brain activity before they came up with the less funny things, and you can you can kind of see like what's the more successful strategy for, uh, in terms of brain activity to come up with something funnier. And one and w- one of the findings we we, we see is that uh, uh, the advice c- comedy coaches give okay uh, that oh uh, you know if you have fun you will be funnier. You know, before a show, just try to have fun, and you will be funnier. Um, you do see it in terms of brain activity. You do see that there is activity, higher activation in pleasure regions of the brain before you come up with something uh, funnier. So it flashes on the screen. It says funny, and and some sometimes you're uh, someone might be thinking, "Ooh, this is my time to shine," or something like that. Especially, I imagine that's how an improviser. Um, probably thinks a little more than I do, but um, and so they before the picture came up, if their brain, if 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 you notice that there was more activation in these pleasure regions, right. that was a very good predictor of how funny they they were being. Exactly. My my, my only problem with with that um, again methodology thing and. Uh, so far, two for two, you've helped clear things up mm-hmm. for me. Um, if you're self-reporting, right, and you're feeling more pleasure already, even you might rate your, you might be amusing yourself more rather than it's not like had someone had we been like saying the joke, and then that joke going out and being rated by others. And being like, well, that joke was a ten. That joke was a two. That sort of thing. Then I'd be like, oh, that was in line with. The- so, so we're actually doing it. So that's the oh, uh, really? the next step. So, so we have taken. I should be a scientist. Yeah, you totally. You're, you're, you're. I'm, I was, I'm impressed. Yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you were uh, probably asking the same questions I will be asked uh, in my dissertation defense. So right, right, okay, uh, yeah. 
That's that's just uh, that's just practice. We're doing a little practice for my dissertation defense here. Uh, I hope you. Yeah. Um, so so yeah. So so we, we we do. We didn't get all of the. So so after the experiment, I asked the comedians to just see if they remember um, some of the captions they came up with, and then you can compare uh, how other people write those captions to mm. the brain activity and see that if you can compare. Very 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 difficult to try to remember right. like a gist of. Um, what I was maybe thinking of. Interesting. I, I find the different people find it. Uh, some people find it easy, and some people find it hard. It's when I have an idea, it's like I can't get my hand to my pocket fast enough to like get it in my phone <laughs> or my voice recorder or or a notepad because it will be gone oh, in like 15 seconds. I think I have, I, well, maybe you can tell me from looking at my brain, I think I have a very, uh, probably a small hippocampus or something. My memory is not so hot. Um, but anyway. I, I'll be surprised if that was the case, but I don't know. Um, so what you saw in me was uh, was different. That's, this yeah, is the so, first so, time hearing this. Actually. Yeah, so, so it, it, like I would say if you didn't have so it looks like you're one of the few people, few comedians I studied that does not seem that being a, a, that having fun does not help you <laughs> to come up with something funnier. <laughs> oh, that's re- that's really interesting. Yeah. That's going to change my life knowing that, and hopefully Don't not have for fun. the worst. No, I, th- no, I think I think it, um, it it doesn't seem to matter. It's not like. Um, it's not like uh, I think you, you might be just having the maximum level of fun already. Uh, uh, so, so, so there is there might be some kind of ceiling effect where so, so, so it might be not might not be the case that you shouldn't have fun. But uh, well, I'll tell you, it was it was for me um, looking back a very pleasurable experience. And when I was in there, like my my biggest thing that. Um, I, I have a hard time concentrating in general. And part of my problem was that I would have so much, I, I was having so much fun just thinking about the experiment itself. As I mean, I'm, I have a podcast going around talking to science. This is obviously something I'm very interested in. And so I think I was just enjoying it so much, maybe throughout the whole thing. I definitely wasn't miserable at all when I was in yeah. there. Yeah, and you do see more. You do see a lot of activation in your pleasure regions in general, and more activation in those regions when you ha- when the task is to come up with something funny compared to when the task is to come up with something expected or mundane. But within those trials where you have to come up with something funny, it didn't seem to matter beyond. You know uh, mm. w- how how much fun you were having. You were having more fun in general, but it didn't oh, seem okay. to affect I the. I, I I thought you were going to tell me that I was way funnier when I was miserable. No, I was like, no. Oh, I got to start ruining my life more than I already have. <laughs> um, so that's not the advice that you're giving me. So um, I've been giving a lot of bad advice today. So <laughs> <laughs> want to be a uh, you want to be a comedian? Here's the trick: be as miserable as you possibly can. Um uh here here was another um sorry for that weird lip smack that I just did into the microphone audience. Um I often found myself um thinking of funny things during the expected 
and the mundane things. And I think that maybe it was, I don't know if you found, it sounds like you found, the majority of the time I was rating myself having thought of funnier things during the, when I was supposed to be funny. Yeah. But there was times when, and I think again, it's that expectation thing where um, it just kind of, uh, Try almost trying not to be funny. Yeah, almost made me laugh more. It's a bit like, um, do you ever meditate or or have you or? I started trying to do this last week, so I okay. Um, I well, I just start. I don't know anything about it. I just started earlier this year. I did this. Um, got some headspace. That's not a sponsor, by the way. If you have a better suggestion for meditating, um, let me know. We don't have a sponsor. This is sponsored by um. Um, uh, a, a drive to learn sponsors this podcast, um, but I, I, um, the reason I bring it up is because there's this really kind of profound moment that I had, where, um, and he kind of set it up this way, where it was like weeks and weeks of kind of concentrating on not thinking of anything and then at the end of the exercise it'd be like no just don't do anything if you think stuff think stuff it doesn't matter just sit here for a minute and what was interesting and then he pointed out after weeks he's like you may have noticed i was like yes that's exactly what happened was that um, when I was meditating and and thoughts would be coming in and the ideas is just kind of being observing um, the thoughts that come in and letting them pass by rather than focusing on them more and trying to push them out and that sort of thing. Um, and what, what what was happening was that after, when you're just free to do whatever, so during the whole time I'm like, oh, now I'm thinking about monkeys, now I'm thinking about celery for some reason, oh, get this <laughs> out of here. I'm like effort, effortfully trying to not think about monkeys and celery and um and then and then at the end it's like just do whatever you want and then it was like i couldn't even think of a thought if i wanted to it was just like a clear just completely clear headed and it was and that was like a lesson that it took 3 weeks which i'm now ruining that lesson for a lot of people to set up but um but not trying to do it actually was what it took to accomplish that goal and i i felt that way about in the experiment a little bit where sometimes during the expected one where I was like okay don't be funny for this one <laughs> was when I was like ah that's hilarious I just thought of a thing um, so I don't know if you found that at all and uh, people people have uh, mentioned this happening as well uh, other people have but yeah I guess I guess I guess he's still like like the, on an average trial uh, I think you still tried. You were still more successful of coming up with something funny when, when I was trying that was to the be task. Funny. So that's good that so, I can do my job when I need to do my <laughs> job. <laughs> no, so, so, so in, in terms of the experiment, we get to kind of average, uh, average all the trials in one condition. So if if there are a few outliers when you thought of something really funny during the expected trial, or right, uh, they kind of get balanced out. Yeah. Um, so, um, so a couple things. One, so so after I did the experiment, then my images were like sent 
some like to someone else to make sure that I didn't have like brain diseases or something like that or or to oh make sure okay that- so so we have we're doing a, um a, just a, a relatively poor quality uh, radiology scan in addition to the normal scans and we just send it to our radiologist because um I wouldn't know if there was something abnormal about your brain unless it was really obvious. Uh, and still, I, should, I, I wouldn't be able like to tell you. Like instead of a, like the, you look and where the gerbil's usually running on the wheel, it's just like the wheel's all tipped over and then you're like, oh, there's something wrong. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Maybe one of your gerbils is off. So, <laughs> uh, I, I've, I've been learning a bit about neuroscience <laughs> in case you yeah. can't tell. Um, uh, but... So so you send it just as like a do they just do this with every brain that yeah. they scan? Yeah. Uh, and so so a radiologist looks at it. Uh you shouldn't like count on it at 100%, you know, because it's not the best quality radiology scan, but you know, a radiologist looks at it and calls you if he thinks something is requires your attention. And so nothing required attention, so that's good. For now, I'm oh. 34. So things will require attention in the future, I imagine. But um, what are, could you clear up, I should have asked this at the very, very beginning, and I'm just thinking of it now. You gave me MRIs, um, correct? Right. And what, what, are the, what are the various, so when I read about all these different scans, I can never keep them all straight. What are the different um, so um a- a- fmri um is um basically um you measure brain activity uh it's like functional magnetic uh, resonance r- resonance imaging um it's it's using a magnetic field essentially to um w- 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 i guess the, the simpler Way to explain it would be that there is, it, it looks at uh, when your brain is activated, when a part of your brain is activated, uh, it requires, it, it gets more, it needs more nutrients, it needs more oxygen, right? Uh, and so the, the blood vessels in your, in your brain are smart enough to adjust themselves so that if a region has just consumed a lot of oxygen, uh, they expand and let more blood flow. Uh, and that increases the amount of a certain molecule there, like the oxygenated hemoglobin, whatever. Uh, but, and, and this molecule has some magnetic properties, uh, which is what we measure. This is already, you're explaining this so much better than a lot of explanations. Oh. It, so go on. It's the accent. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's all clear when you speak like this. Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, so, so basically what, what we're looking at is not the actual brain activity, but the uh, blood flow. Uh, the, the fuel uh, lines. Yeah, uh, which happens actually a few seconds after the, uh, the uh, brain activity. So we have to kind of conclude from it what happened previously. Ah, that's interesting. Uh-huh. Um, and, and, what, and what are the different scans so that's fmri yeah there is also uh pet and cat and which so pet is you have some you you get uh, some radioactive uh um molecule injected uh so so you can you can get for example you can inject in the um glucose you know the brain is the nutrition the brain gets is from glucose glucose which is essentially sugar uh so so you can you can put 
That's not an advertisement for candy bars, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> it's an advertisement for my line of radioactive candy bars. Uh, <laughs> Um, so, so, so you put radioactive material in those, in those, uh, in the sugar uh, 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 that you inject to the bloodstream, and then uh, you can see what parts of the brain consume more of it uh, because it's radioactive, and you can uh, it kind of it's easy to image because you know the machi- you can capture it, I guess. Yeah, that's um, what's, uh, all right. That's uh, uh, so. I'm not going to get to the. I'm. I'm going to. I'll find an expert on um, okay. neuroscience and, and pain. I'm not going to make you suffer through that because yeah, are, I'd be happy to answer here. answer questions. But I don't we are well. I, I'd rather in, in the in the amount of time left. I'd rather have you um, talk more about um, uh, one. Um, just uh, just uh, actually probably just one last question. Then we'll talk about sure. each each week. I uh, have have you plug a charity, so we'll talk about that. Um, First off, do you? I I don't I don't mean to uh, um, I don't I, I don't <laughs> want to spoil anything here. I, I don't want I don't want anyone to scoop you. But can you tell me a little bit about where you see your research going in in the future? Well, if somebody were to scoop me, uh, oh, okay, okay. Um, Actually, in the future, uh, this is not published yet, so people can scoop it. Uh, but I think I think I'm I'm a bit ahead uh, at this point. So, uh, anyways, so in the future, I actually want to work on the artificial intelligence of humor creation. Um, so I feel like joke machines. Yes, joke machine. Uh, it's, it's so easy. You just have. Uh, they already sell them at the uh, at, at at the gag stores. It's just a button and a fart sound comes out, and there you go. That's every joke you could ever want. So something <laughs> something like that is what you're working exactly, on. Exactly, but but a better, more convincing <laughs> sound of fart. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing if that's what you did with your. And then you like unveil it. <laughs> you know, um, it's like uh, it's like the guy that um. <laughs> <laughs> that unveiled the uh, the Segway. Um, I don't know if you remember. Well, you wouldn't have been living here at the time. Well, when the Segway first cre- came out, uh, whoever did the marketing behind it was this genius. That was huh. just like, they just called it it. They didn't say what it was. It was just like this dude that uh, had made some cool advances. And then there was, he created the Segway thing. And then there was um, some buzz about it in a very, you know, they, they kept it in a, in a very close-knit circle. This mm-hmm. uh, And um, for those of you that don't know, and you should, it's just a little two-wheel device that you drive around on and you can take tours in Paris and all that. Well, anyway, it was just for months, this guy was going to unveil it. And it was going to be in everybody's home. <laughs> it was... It was everyone was gonna have one. It was gonna be like the next computer, <laughs> and, and there's just all this buzz about it. And then he unveils this thing, and it's just like a guy standing on a Segway, which is maybe the silliest looking thing in the entire world. And he's like, "Here it is, everybody!" And, and all these stockholders are like, "What the hell did you convince us to invest in?" And that's what I imagine your fart machine um, being. Yes, uh, yes. Just this, like, this will all culminate in a fart, in a better fart how, machine. How many years of education <laughs> is going into this um, fart machine? By, by the time everything's <laughs> said and done, and you get your PhD, how long 
have you been and what have you gone through? Well, I mean, I'm having a good time, so it's not like. Um, and then, uh, but, I mean, how but, many years of learning? Okay, so I've done I've done a bachelor in Israel is three years, and then uh, I went straight to a PhD here. But I took uh, longer than usual, and uh, this is my seventh year, so I'm doing seven uh, a year total PhD. But I studied like more than one thing, so I've I've published stuff on vision, and now I'm doing the humor stuff. So. Um, and I'm, but you know, when, when you're in a PhD, you get paid not that much, but you get paid right. to like teach and do research and stuff. So, um, how do you like teaching? Is it similar to stand up? Uh, it's becoming more and more similar the longer I do both. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, oh, that's uh, that's another question before, um, and, and I don't want to forget to get back to your um, art machine super robot and get, right, get a right. serious answer. We'll get that after I make a few more fart jokes. Um, how has, so it's clear how, how comedy has influenced your science. Has science influenced your comedy? And I have actually, I'm sorry to say, I've never seen you perform live and I don't know what your act is like, but has science influenced your comedy at all? It's a good question. I have have attempted to, uh, to make some neuroscience jokes with mixed results, but um, it's there's just nothing funny about the brain. That's the problem. I, there is do, like, I, I have some neuroscience jokes have, in my act. They're working well, all right. I yeah, have. but it's uh, it's been years of tinkering. I, I I have jokes about how impossible it is to to make jokes about the brain and say like, uh, what can I say? Have you ever noticed how gray matter is different than white matter? <laughs> Me neither. I'm not a racist. You know, like, so stupid stuff like that. That, that was that was. <laughs> I, I like that. That's funny. Um, and you sounded like Count Dracula while doing it. Um, I can say that, uh, yeah. Are you familiar with Count Dracula? I am. Is that the first serial you got when you moved here? So your, um, uh, so your your fart machine in reality isn't actually a fart machine you're working on. Let's spoil every and, and give every, everyone a taste of the future. So what what does it when you say you want to do artificial intelligence on uh, humor studies? What what do you mean by that? So there is some kind of algorithm that goes on in the brain when you write a joke. And I want to basically eventually try to imitate it uh, and and get some computer software to do that. Now, you will not achieve, you know, you might be able to do some part of it or help with some part of it at this point, but you will probably not achieve a, a good computer-generated humor before you would achieve pretty much everything else in artificial intelligence. I mean, if a computer was able to make a five-year-old laugh and it did it all on its own, I would be blown away. <laughs> uh, we're a ways off from that, don't you think? Yeah, I think I think that would probably be the last thing we will achieve in artificial intelligence, or one of the last things. So you will have like self-driving cars and and you know. Uh, good computer vision systems and stuff like this before. Or well, I mean, if you're thinking of what an audience goes through or what a comedian goes through, if you're building a self-driving car, it's like you got programs for staying between the lines and, you know, it's kind of working with this GPS infrastructure that's already in place and, and, um, and, and you know, there's braking and applying gas and, I, I, it's it's impressive. It's amazing, but again, compared to what our brains are doing, when 
even when you're just sitting in an audience taking in a joke, even if you could build artificial atten- uh, intelligence that could learn to appreciate a joke would be amazing to me because you're sitting in a comedy club and what you don't realize is that the amount of light on the comedian is affecting things, how low the ceilings are, are affecting things, how much the laughs are bouncing up, how the contagious um, response to other people laughing or um, or this comedian just made people uncomfortable or this is a social taboo. Just to understand what a social taboo is, to understand why that's a social taboo, to understand why there's a tension in the room, but it's still okay because this comedian's making it up. I mean, right. that's mine. I, I mean, for sure. I, and and the, the goal is not to, uh, definitely not at this point, to, to, to get all of this figured out, but, uh, you know, uh, but rather to, to find some aspects of this problem you can automate to some extent. So, uh, you know, for example, when you search to just that thing, just this association that fits or... Like okay, so the ultimate, the the killer app for which will not be achieved before you know computers will be just smarter than us in all other ways. But the the, the killer app would be uh, to have you know how they have Google Translate where you put Japanese and it uh, or, or Chinese. I actually had a situation where this girl uh, accidentally texted me something in Chinese, and I used Google Translate. I mean, it was a girl I already you know, been with, so I, I thought it would be funny. I, 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 trans, I, I wrote her, I used Google Translate to, to write to her, um, my, my penis dances in the, happily in the dark for you, or something. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, turns, that sounds very, like, Chinesey to me. My yeah. penis dances in the dark. Right, I mean, that that's would be like, something. Uh, that's like what you'd read out of a fortune cookie, like a romantic fortune cookie. Right, right. Unfortunately, Google Translate got it wrong, and so... <laughs> So it's like my chicken dances, you know. <laughs> uh, so that was very embarrassing. But that's interesting. Uh, how much would be lost in translate? That's what I'm saying. I so, mean, so, the, what you'd have to overcome. So, so the killer app would be to have uh, something where you put something translate to funny, basically, uh, where you put you put a, a, a statement in serious language, and you have it. You have an algorithm translated to essentially saying the same thing in a funny way. That would be like the ultimate, uh, you know, right, right. what do you call it? Um, but so, 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 yeah, it's, I guess it's part of a quest to kind of figure out how the process of uh, writing a joke works in, a, in an explicit terms as opposed to like we, we all have a good intuition. I feel like, you know, uh, a lot of people, most people that write jokes, you don't, you don't, you're not aware of everything you do. Uh, to come up with it, although you, you right. try, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I definitely tried to break everything down mm. um, as much as I possibly can, and I'm probably better at it than a lot of people. And I still I have, I mean, so much of it's still a mystery. Um, so uh, uh, before we get out of here, um, I I'm doing my bet at, at this point in time. I'm I'm trying to not put this on a network and um, or do ads. I want to avoid doing ads. On I don't want to plug weird stuff I don't care about, and I don't care about the few little dollars that I might get. My intuition is that people would much rather give a, chor- a charity organization 
$20 or something than to give me $1 for a podcast. And so I, I think that I could do a lot more by, um, by just getting the word out there to go out and, uh, and do something good today. So what is your organization that you would like to plug? Uh, I, I would plug uh, Michael J. Fox uh, Foundation for uh, curing uh, alt- um, Parkinson's disease. Um, just because, well, I, I know firsthand of, of uh, you know, how terrible uh, Parkinson's can be and how... The, 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 how the do you thing, know firsthand? So the thing about Parkinson's, so my father, uh, so he, he was... He was like uh, a couple of years before uh, he got Parkinson's. He won like uh, a swimming uh, championship, and and the you know he, he actually also was a, a comedian. His career was kind of starting to pick up in Israel. Really? Uh, yeah. And, and uh, how old was he at uh, this time? It was like. 50 really this. yeah so he started late like doing the did other stuff no before. i'm saying but, that's very young to be getting yeah and Parkinson's. he was like a very good athletic athletic uh, condition and he was Great taking shape, care, of care of him yeah and the parkinson is just this one small you know part of your brain that uh, essentially where cells are dying in this one tiny which kind of the rest of you Wait, works. what is it because I, I also, my uncle just got diagnosed with Parkinson's. He thought he was getting a little shaky. He's 62. Yeah. And he thought, because he was getting married for the first time, actually. And it was just like a couple months before he started. And he thought, well, maybe I just have nerves because <laughs> this wedding's coming up. And turns out, no, when, that's not when the my case. Father, when my father was interviewed, so, so he did, he, he, started, he co-founded uh, some some. They call it like the general, the degenerate film festival uh, in Israel. It was like just, just um, sort of avant-garde films and stuff. Uh, and uh, and he got interviewed uh, uh, together with his co- the co-founder, and his hand was shaking from Parkinson's during the interview. It seems like he was nervous, and the the other co-founder of the the thing was the most chill dude ever. <laughs> <laughs> it was um, Jesus. Yeah. Um yeah, my my grandfather got horrible Parkinson's. He got the other one where you freeze up. He started like all of his uh, like his vocal cords froze up and his body just kind of started freezing. Yeah, that's I that's like kind of a rare The more adv- No, no, that's that's just the, the next sort of stage. Oh, so, is it? Okay. so so the thing that there is a whole system in your brain where there is, you know, that kind of controls you don't do anything you think of, right? So you don't. Uh, you can imagine things you uh, could do but shouldn't do, and you don't do them. But um, but and there's a whole system in your brain that kind of uh, takes care of that. And part of this system is broken, so you end up not being able to do any th- the stuff that you want to do. You know, so you end up not being able to to do to to uh, to, to initiate all kinds of movements and or speech. Um, Oh. Um, well, so it, it's, I'm realizing that I'm going to end every podcast on a bit of a bummer, <laughs> but it, it's, it's for a wonderful cause. Go, go and check out the Michael J. at Fox Foundation. You can go, um, if you can't donate um, money, there's, um, it's an amazing site, and there's like this interactive map, and you can check and find local events in your area. And, um, and you can do that. You can do something good. Give yourself a pat on the back. And I get to give myself a pat on the back, and Ari gets to as well. You can write him at Ari Amir 
um, on Twitter and uh, and tell them that, uh, hey, I just wrote and checked out that site because of you. And then we'll both feel good about ourselves and um, and not um, feel bad about making fart machine jokes for five <laughs> minutes. Um, thank you so much for being on the show. It was super Ooh, interesting. Um, uh, really fun. And thanks for scanning my brain and being an awesome guy. He has and a beautiful brain, by the way. He's, yeah. <laughs> Ladies. <laughs> and, uh, and good luck building your... Um, your robot that's this this is the this is not the the terminator future that skynet um predicted in in all of the movies this is like the robots are going to take over all of the comedy jobs and then we're going to all be laughing so hard at these robots that that's how they're going to control us all uh, i mean i think you know actually there there might be applications for I think part of the people that would be interested in such research that I probably don't want them to, but uh, in, in such developments are, are propaganda, you know, people who work on, on propaganda uh, to kind of try to convince people to have a certain political views. Humor can be pretty effective in oh, this yeah. way. It's like, I, generate me jokes that would convince people that... Uh, yeah, I, yeah. Oh, I don't think there would be nearly as many racists if there wasn't racist jokes I like, think like so. street jokes and stuff that are well it's part of the fun of being mm. a racist is you mm. get like all of these hilarious inappropriate um jokes that you can share and and you can kind of it's a way of communicating and and figuring out kind of who's on your side by how hard mm. that person so, laughs so it's a way to get away with uh humor is generally a way to get away with or to test the waters for different Inappropriate Possibly. things. I've, I've so, never really thought yeah. about it until now, but um, but I think that's possible. But I think, I mean, if there wasn't at all racism, racism to begin with, uh, then you, it's, race humor would not really work. Right. So. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Um, uh, well, uh, all right. Let's all not be racist, but still be funny, everybody. Um, uh, thank you to my guest, Ari Amir. And uh, maybe I'll have you back on sometime when you once you build your uh, funny robot. Hooray. Uh, thanks for stopping by. And thanks for checking out the podcast, everybody. Uh, listen again next week. Subscribe. Do all of that good stuff. Go and check out my website, my tour schedule, and, uh, and just say hi on, on Twitter and Facebook. Thank you very much. There was, everybody, the third episode of the Here We Are podcast. We made it through. I'm looking uh, forward to next week. I'm I, I bumped one up. Um, I'm having this guest June Gruber, Gruber, who I was just blown away by, and I think our conversation was uh, one one of the more representative um, of what I want this uh, podcast to be, and and of the things that I'm really interested in. And so, make sure and, and stay tuned and check that out. Please share this with your friends. Uh, again, go to the here we are podcast.com and ask me questions, send me feedback and special thanks this week. Yeah. I hope you enjoy, uh, the little intro song at the beginning. That was three people, uh, working on that. Um, one of them, I'm going to plug this week is my very good friend, Zach Sherwin, who, um, is a, an amazing comedic rapper. Go to ZachSherwin.com and uh, he's done like epic rap battles of history which get millions and millions of hits on YouTube. Uh, he's uh, one of the most amazing um, 
of performers out there. He's absolutely incredible. I could, I'm always gushing on and on about him to everyone. So I'm not just saying that because he made me in my song. I had him make me my song because I think he's incredible. Um, so yeah, Zach Sherwin, and that's S H E R W I N, Zach Sherwin. And um, thanks again for listening. Are we? Yes. Where are we? Here. Why are we here? Not entirely clear. We are misfits thrust into existence by random chance with no hints at all as to how we're supposed to make sense of it all. It's immensely bizarre. Here we are. Let's say uh, Seinfeld was on an island and he was blowing Boris Karloff. What would it, what would that be like? <laughs> it might go something like this. Well, Mr. Karloff, I loved you and Frankenstein, and I love giving you a blowjob. Why, Mr. Seinfeld, I'd love having you fuck.